Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Greetings all. My name is Reverend Blair Boyd Zant, and I am a United Methodist pastor serving here in North Georgia. Unlike other pastors you see or know, I don't serve one particular church. I am a resource pastor, supporting the leaders and ministries of the roughly 780 United Methodist congregations here in the Atlanta area, from Dalton to Milledgeville, from Augusta to LaGrange. I love my work because I get to see how the Holy Spirit is working uniquely in every community in which a United Methodist Church is planted. Large, medium, small, 100% in person, or with multiple access points, including multiple campuses, online. Leaders who've been members since birth, sharing communion with those who still aren't sure what they believe about God yet, but are courageous and curious enough to show up anyway. Places where, in the name of Jesus, people are transforming lives through Christian community and transforming communities through literacy, food, internet access, justice movements, prayer, music, vaccine pop-ups, and even turning a Starbucks table into a worship table, complete with ashes dispensed this past Wednesday for Ash Wednesday. I believe that at our best, United Methodists can be one church in limitless missional expressions. Today, I'm blessed to worship with the members and community members who call North Decatur United Methodist their home. Those who have joined us from worship today from other faith communities, and those who may be worshiping with this church for the very first time. And it's to you especially that I wanna extend a specific word of welcome. Thank you for joining us. We believe that worship is a communally shared experience of God, of God present in the world. Those of us who come regularly do so because we can honestly say that practicing our faith through worship transforms us, transforms our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our relationships. And that when we leave, we are better prepared to participate in the transformational work God is doing in the world. Our worship life has seasons. Christmas is, of course, a big one. When we focus on the birth story of Jesus, who we believe is God's Son, our Messiah. Easter is a huge season for us as well. This is the day we make the boldest of our faith claims that Jesus, God's Son, our Messiah, who was martyred by the state, waited three days and then resurrected from the dead, as he said he would as centuries of prophets before him said that he would. His resurrection, which was miraculous enough by itself, carried an extra weight of importance, meaning that in his death, he took on the sin for all of humanity for all time. And then in resurrecting from the dead, he restored the possibility of eternal life with Christ for all of humanity for all time. That is a huge claim. Truly, the defining belief for Christians, of which United Methodists number in the tens of millions worldwide. Every year, in preparation for Easter, we give ourselves to a time 
of spiritual preparation. We spend 40 days plus six Sundays reflecting on the life of Jesus, his miracles, his teachings, and yes, his arrest and crucifixion in order to remember why we need him, how God worked through him, and what he sacrificed out of love for us so that we could fully embrace God's love for us. We call this season of reflection and repentance and reparation the season of Lent. The word itself stems from Old English and Western Germanic words, meaning both springtime and the lengthening of the day. We stretch time in this season, slow it down through intentional faith practices, including sacrificial giving, as well as the taking on of new spiritual disciplines. Welcome to the season of Lent. For these next 40 days, I'm going to be attempting to fast from complaining. And I'm gonna be taking on the spiritual discipline of daily scripture reading and reflection. I mean, I do that now in fits and starts, but I've started a new reading plan on my Bible app that will hold me accountable for moving through four different books of the Bible in the next six weeks. My hope is that these two disciplines together will help reshape my imagination and outlook, which will give me help in living a more authentic, Christ-centered life in the world. And I can't imagine a better way to begin this intentional work than to look to today's story from John chapter 11. There's so much packed into these 44 verses. I had at least 15 different sermons that we could have worked through together, but for your benefit as well as mine, we will focus only on one. Now we could have focused on Jesus's close relationship with the three siblings described in the story, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, who live in a town called Bethany. They keep showing up across the gospel stories. They are featured players in several key moments in Jesus's life and ministry, this story being just one of them. We could have also focused on the tension between Jesus's clear love for them and his purposeful delay in returning to them even after learning that Lazarus was deathly ill. Now, if we look to the message translation of the Bible, the message translation, the words suggest that this was strange. It acknowledges the tension. But in the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version translation of the scripture, the translation suggests that this delay was intentional, that Jesus saw this perhaps as a possible moment to demonstrate the glory of God and perhaps even foreshadow his own resurrection. We also could focus on the actual resurrection itself. There is a resurrection in this story. Jesus stands before a tomb, calls Lazarus forward, and out he comes. This incredible moment helps us as followers gauge the limits of our own belief how we respond to Jesus's ability to empty a tomb here readies us for standing next to the women again when Jesus empties the tomb on Easter morning. Are we ready? We could focus on any of those things, but for today, I wanna to focus in on Martha and on Mary. 
and on the role these two sisters play in modeling for us how faith works when faced with incredible grief. Because I suspect that while opinions and experiences with resurrection may vary from you to me and from everyone that's around us, grief is something we all know. It's something we've all carried, especially these past two years. What loss might you be grieving today? What sadness creeps at the edge of your busy mind? You'll know it because in those quiet moments, when good distractions pause, even briefly, it spreads its arms and casts a longer shadow over your thoughts, over your feelings. Maybe it's a grief you hold alone. Maybe it's one you share with those around you. But even a shared grief can be isolating if we don't feel there is permission given to grieve it differently. Martha and Mary model for us how two people who are experiencing the same loss can grieve in different ways and how Jesus can meet them both there. Mary is in sorrow. She falls at Jesus' feet and weeps, as do a community of mourners who accompany her. Martha marches out alone, incensed. She's unapologetic in her frustration and accusatory. At Jesus' feet, she lays blame. You see, Martha is wedged in the grief-stricken middle of two unwavering beliefs, that her brother will be raised again whenever God declares victory, and that had he been there, Jesus could have stopped death from coming at all. In fact, it's still not too late. Martha turns to Jesus and says, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Ask it, she seems to be begging. One sister is in sorrow, the other in anger and bargaining, and both speaking aloud the stabbing question that grief uses to push us to the breaking point. Lord, if only, if only you had been here, if only you had interceded, if only we had sent for you sooner, if, if only you had not delayed. The what ifs of grief can haunt us, prolonging our grief and creating mental cycles of blame and shame. When you examine the grief you're carrying, what what-ifs and if-onlys is your grief whispering to you? Now, if they are helping you to examine your actions and to evaluate the places where you can place your trust, then allow yourself to sit honestly with the questions. If they are only causing you harm and then by extension, causing harm to those around you, then I encourage you to ask for help. Find someone or a group of someones who can help disrupt that line of questioning and help you get to the heart of your grief. Martha and Mary are grieving their brother, but they are also grieving the potential loss of who they believe Jesus to be, especially to them.
and what they believed Jesus was capable of doing in the world. And here's what we need to notice about Jesus' response. First, notice that Jesus never apologizes or rationalizes his choice to linger. Some of us are waiting on a, an apology or a clarifying explanation. We believe that that is what will make the grief go away. It's what will make the pain stop. So what do we do if that never comes? In this instance, Jesus invites Martha to turn to her faith, what she believes, what does she know to be true? To Martha, Jesus discloses an important truth. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Grief can make us question what we thought we knew to be true. Jesus understands this. And this is how he joins Martha in her grief. Do you believe this? He asks her. And Martha weighs her response. She has been with Jesus for some time. She has hosted Jesus and the disciples in her home. She has waited upon them from her kitchen but she has not yet fully claimed what she believes about Jesus. And it's in this moment when he looks into her eyes and asks her deep in her grief, what is it that you believe that she makes this profound profession of faith? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. In my own life, I can track the moments when my faith deepened, when it became more real, when it became more than just words or beliefs on a page, and it became something that I truly depended on for my life. Now, there are some exciting, high-energy, mountaintop moments in the mix. But if I'm honest, it's been the places of trial where my faith was tested and stretched, which truly transformed me in my faith. Jesus joins Martha in her grief, and he strengthens her belief. For Mary, Jesus changes his approach. This is the second thing to notice about Jesus's response to these women in the face of grief, that Jesus meets each woman differently in her grief. Because grief responses are not one size fits all. Mary has sat and learned at the feet of Jesus as a disciple. And now she has collapsed at the feet of Jesus in despair. And sometimes words just won't do justice. So instead of words, Jesus offers himself as the word made flesh and gives us all the most profound gift of all, in my opinion, second only to the cross and the resurrection. Jesus weeps. It's the shortest verse in all of scripture. So beloved, memorize it and hold it dear. Because in case you notice nothing else in this passage, I pray you would please notice this third thing 
that the God of all creation who held heaven and earth, who was and is and ever will be, humbled God's self, took on the burden of humanity. And when a friend and her community grieved, Jesus joined them and cried with them. God in Christ weeps with us. And this is good grief. God does not move exactly when and how we would hope. And yet, and yet, in God's time, death is defeated and life is set free from its shrouded tomb. So let's embrace these lengthening days of spring. Let's live them with intention and with spiritual discipline because the cross awaits this Friday is not yet over, and yet, on the other side, stands an empty tomb. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.